Hey, this is Joe Capacetti. And this is Brian Perry. And we are Threads Electric. And you are listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Welcome to episode number 30 of the Minnesota Music Shakedown, a podcast dedicated to spinning some of the best original Twin Cities and beyond area music. Featured this week are conversations and new music from the International Treasures, The Common Practice, and Threads Electric. I'm your host, Mark Sterry. Check me out at MarkSterryMusic.com, and thank you for supporting live and local music. Hey, this is Kaylee Factorial from The Common Practice, and you're listening to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. Put them away and hold our heads up 
was the song That Love Came First by The Common Practice. Hear for them later in the program. Next up, Doyle and Ted from the International Treasures talk their new album, Together We're the International Treasures, after hear their song, Anywhere With You. Doyle, Turner, and Ted Heineshevitz from International Treasures. Welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, guys? Thanks for having us. This is awesome. Yes, we got both you guys on today. Doyle, you're coming from Bemidji? Yeah, I live up in Bemidji. I have since 1994 and um, a little bit of a jaunt to go down and see Ted. But uh, yeah, up here in Bemidji, living, loving life. That's great. How about Ted, where are you from? Um, I grew up in uh, suburbs like right next to Minneapolis. And right now I'm living probably 40 minutes west of the cities. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what town, if I can ask? What town? Watertown. Watertown. So, yeah, yeah, Delano, Waconia, those are some larger, largish, larger towns near me. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, so I guess the first question would be, how did you guys living that far away hook up to make this album? It's a good question. Um, it all we, it all started during during the pandemic when everybody was at home doing everything on the internet and. We're both part of a the singer songwriter songwriting challenge, a Facebook group uh, where we get a prompt every week, and uh, uh, Doyle just mesmerized me with his songs and his singing. And I think it was the summer of 2020 when I started asking folks to do co-writes through this thing. So we would basically write, tossing files back and forth over the internet, either texting each other or emailing, and just formulate a song. And Doyle and I, we had a lot of fun, and so it just kind of started evolved into now we're here make put a record out you know yeah is that your story you sticking with that too doyle uh, um, <laughs> the only thing ted got wrong is that i was mesmerized by him he is a uh the songwriter songwriter and i uh was so pleased when he asked me to do a co-write with him and it turned into um something that felt so easy and so natural and so we started writing more and more and more and we ended up doing a gig together in Walker, and um, it, it was just one of these experiences. And, and you know this from playing, Mark. There are certain people that listen and certain people that respond to what you do, and um, Ted is that kind of person. And so I knew that no matter what I tried, Ted would be uh, would have my back, and I could step right off the cliff. And I knew that from the first couple of minutes of playing with him, and uh, I, I wanted more of that. And so, yeah, it, it's turned into this uh, wonderful partnership. Have you guys done a lot of co-writing before this adventure? With others? Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say I haven't done it very successfully before. I was always a little nervous about it. The internet helped. Um, I don't. Doyle wasn't the first one that summer, but he was one. I, I, he was one of a very few where I ended up writing multiple times, like quickly with with them, and uh, because I think it Doyle just made it easy. Meaning it was a lot of yes and for both of us, and that made it really fun. I don't know if you did a lot of co-writing prior to that. Not a lot. I had done some, but um, when when Ted mentions yes and, that's that's the um, first rule of improv for comedy, right? 
And that's exactly the first rule of, of, of co-writing is that it doesn't matter what Ted starts off with or what I start out with. There's always a yes end waiting on the other end. And then we just evolve it into something that's workable. And so it's this real joyful creative process that um, I, I knew from the first time we wrote together, I wanted to write with him for the rest of my life, period. Wow. <laughs> is there strengths that you each of you have that bring you that you bring to the table? Like, Ted, are you more of a lyric guy, and Doyle, you're more of a melody guy? Or how does that all work? How do the roles generally sit? Oh, for sure. Um, Mark, this is really simple because Ted has all the skills. He's one of those six- and seven-tool players, and I just tag along. That's not that. That's not true. (laughs) But I did pay Doyle to say that, so I have to have a But, you know, know, it's it's funny that you asked that, Mark, and I I think um, I'm going to say this. But I want to clarify, too. I think Doyle is an incredible lyric person. If you were to put him in a room at co-writing, he's going to come up with the best lyric. Having said that, he can do all the other things as well. I mean, he just writes amazing songs. I think each of us probably brings some strength. Um, but each of us does all the things ourselves as well. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I, I just let me interject here. One of the things that and Ted does everything, but one, two of the things that he does um, exceptionally well are production ideas. So we're in the middle of whatever we're writing and he already is five, six steps ahead, knowing that we want horns here or we want um, a break here or that sort of. And and, and that can be overwhelming sometimes, um, but it's also you, you have to lean in because that's one of Ted's geniuses. And the other thing is he's he's got this really good knack and sense of what a good groove is and and whether uh, whatever we're working on is going to work for a song because he's got this song sense that is um, second to none. It's just unparalleled. He knows he knows when something is going to make a song um, and if it'll be strong or not in that song. Sounds like a hell of a guy there, Ted. Well, I think I love Doyle more and more. <laughs> so when you guys start working on collaborating songs together and putting together this record together we are the international treasures do you guys have a list of like artists or particular albums you are trying to emulate or grab references from um i i'll take a stab at this but i think ted's probably going to have a a, a a different answer. Um, I don't know if there was an album so much as a style that that really guided this album. We we played a show in St. Joseph, and um, the fellow who had us at, at his place to play also had a studio there. Um, it's called Century Oak Studio in St. Joseph. And when after we were done, we walked into the studio, and he had a bunch of musicians playing, a lot of bluegrass-oriented uh, musicians. And we walked into this warm, warm space that felt like a 1970s um, LP vinyl and sounded that way. And Ted knew right away, he says, this is the sound. This is, we, we have to record here. And, and so we just followed Ted's, um, Ted's inclination on that. Cool. I heard that. Ted, what do you have to say about that? You, you know, those, those, I mean, really it was, we were lucky and part of it was we were both taking a leap. And what I mean by that, like we had these songs we've been writing for a couple of years and we were talking about, we're going to make a record we didn't know what that would look like because we we thought it obviously our styles are a little bit different, um, and maybe that would mold into something that's kind of a con- like what we sound like together. But when we walked into that place and heard those musicians, and like I think 
we should consider trying something different recorded it live on the floor uh music all these musicians were right there with us while we were tracking and doyle was like yep we're gonna try this we thought it might fail and if it does oh well uh, we got really lucky i think the sound was and doyle correct me if i'm wrong here the sound of the record was extremely influenced by the musicians who surrounded us because they changed the songs in such a good way that we didn't anticipate it was just a wonderful surprise really is that right doyle i got that right yeah, oh, for sure. Um, the uh, we we ended up having primarily bluegrass oriented players on our on our album, and that we didn't have that in mind when we wrote these songs. In fact, we had done a lot of demos for um, this album using other songs, and we were so influenced by Ted's vision for that um, that nineteen uh, seventies warm vinyl LP feel um, that we and, and it just it worked out. We ended up after. Our, our friend uh, Troy Foss did the original recording of it, the engineering. Um, we listened to the, the rough takes and our message to Troy was, we, we can't mess this up in, in the mix. What we have, the capture is so amazing that we want to make sure that we, we keep that in the mix. And, and, to, and also to speak to your point, Ted, I feel like I'm a little bit country and you're a little bit rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to learn that song. <laughs> So I'm I'm trying to figure out the recording process. You guys both were at the studio at the same time as well with these musicians. So you guys were together. Mm-hmm. And how long did you spend in the studio? Um, the two major tracking sessions were, what do you think, four or five hours each day? I, I don't know if I have that right. Um, everything, like, so Troy Foss, do I mention, he's, he's been Doyle's engineer for four or five years, whatever. Every record Doyle's made, he's engineered it. He's a genius. He lives up in Bemidji. He has a great studio. Um, he came down with a mobile rig and captured the sound. We literally tracked everything in that room live and we uh, minimally retracked. We I fixed a couple vocal things we needed to do here or there. And then we did minimal overdubs after the fact. Like, what does the song need after this? And, and if it doesn't, we're not doing it. It was... I mean, people don't do that anymore. I mean, it's it's more rare in this day and age because people piece it all together. This was like a live, off-the-floor record. It's just, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Were you guys playing guitars or instruments as well, live? Yep. And yep. singing? And singing. And, What'd you and do if you have a perfect song and one of you guys botched the harmonies? What'd you do? Um... That was a distinct possibility, and, and we <laughs> talked about that at, at length. I mean, what we were we we had a pedal right. steel player, and you know, you know, pedal steel it, it's in everything, right? And so you've got this room mic'd up, and this fellow is playing this beautiful steel, but he he wanted to change a couple of things, you know, in post production, and we're like, dude, it's in every single microphone, right? <laughs> Um, and so we knew that if we had a, a really great vocal take, it could be that somebody botched a different part of it and we'd have to do again. But the beautiful part was, is within a couple of uh, measures, a couple of minutes, we fell into this synergy with this group that I've never experienced before. It was just like everybody was was a close listener. Everybody played off of one another, tried not to step on each other. Um, and it was just this, after the first few minutes, we knew, yeah, this is the right group of people for the right job. And there are, I would say there's there are some imperfections that may or may not, I don't know if they're noticeable, but one I, I know of, there's a song anywhere, any, not anywhere with you, I always get them mixed up, Wind Dying Down. And the last chorus i sing is supposed to be different than the first chorus 
and they end up singing the same. I just repeated the lyric, and I didn't even notice when we did it. And we went and listened back. It's like, oh, oops. And I'm like, well, I guess that's the way it's going to go because it just fit, you know. Um, I think we opted for the magic over perfection. We didn't. We were. We did not want to make a record where everything's so finely tuned. We wanted something where you feel it. You know. Absolutely. No, for sure. Yeah. I think. Um, so, how about I ask you guys about some of the songs I thought were pretty cool, and tell us the story behind them songs? Who wrote the what? Who sang what? Sure. Um, actually, before I do that, do you guys remember some of these guys' names that were you were tracking with in the studio? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, the the first one that comes off the top of my head is Brent Fuqua, who plays uh, mandolin on this. He's also a really accomplished singer songwriter in his own right. And um, mm-hmm. we met him that that very first morning, October fifteenth, when we started uh, tracking. And he, we got to the song Wild, and he just nailed the solo. It was just unbelievable. Um, the other person that really sticks out is our friend Nikki Lemire. Um, who, who also plays with uh, um, Foxgloves and the Josh Cleveland band. But she came in and brought her orchestral-sized harp, and um, we had her in for one of the songs that's a more quiet song. And when she, we were helping her set up, she says to me and Ted, she says, I think I've got a part for Give Me Some More, which is a more driving kind of song. And I, I, I thought in my head, oh, I bet you don't. And boy, did she prove us wrong. It changed the entire song so much so that when we mixed it, we... We started with her heart part. Um, it, uh, you can speak to some of the other musicians on here, Ted, but those two stick out to me really, really uh, brightly. Yeah. Mikhail Johnson played uh, fiddle all throughout the record, and then she played banjo on, um, I think it was Give Me Some More. And she's just amazing. She's part of the our singer-songwriter group, and we had met her the night we played uh, on the our porch concert at this place and uh and we got to see her in that concert hut just playing I'm like oh my gosh i want her on this record and it just worked out and then the, there are others dean played pedal steel he's amazing um and then uh, ricky parker played drums uh he's, he's amazing but joe meyer is the one he played bass <clears throat> but he also he's the one who owns the place joe and susan own uh this this century oaks and it's their property and he also is the one who Hold these musicians in when we asked him can we record here he's like of course and i know people and he started pulling all these the thing that stuns me is 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 they're all amazing musicians but more importantly the reason why we know who each one is is oh we love these people we didn't know them before we started and now we're fast friends with them they're amazing people we were we were very lucky very lucky yeah like a, just for the, oh, oh go ahead go ahead oh, the other musician i wanted to mention is um ted's friend steve peffer um and uh, tell them a little about about Steve Peffer with his organ and piano <laughs> wizardry. I don't know. I can't say. So Steve, uh, Steve, he plays keyboards. And I got to step away from the for the band Alabama. And I don't know if you ever remember <laughs> from Forest Gump. So I can't say the name Alabama without yelling it. But he he's a, a young guy in Nashville. He's he's got a studio, and I ran across him through some thing. Hey, we'll track your songs. Bunch of musicians. He played keyboards on it, and was the guy tracking it. He's amazing, and I've been probably working with him on things for the last five or six years. Doyle, we used him on his record, Sweet Difficult Sounds. He just brings magic, and so you give him a track, and you say, you might give him a vibe, and he takes it and just gives it so much life. It's amazing. But he, yeah, he plays with Alabama. He's played with Trisha Yearwood. He he tours with a bunch of people, That's and then he's, I don't know why he wants to play on our record, but we're lucky he did. Yeah. 
one thing when people are trying to put together musical projects and actually going down to the studio and not doing it, uh, do it yourself, is it is it expensive? What's like the cost? Like, did you get? Was it was it tough to pay for? Yeah, you know, um, I've been forward to do it yourself. Well, maybe you can speak comparatively because you've done records where you've hired out musicians, and so budget wise, how did this compare? Uh, this was a little bit more, um, a, a little bit higher on the higher end of it um, in terms of cost. And it is expensive. Um, but I had a friend who um, rebuilt an Airbnb one time. It, it took a house and turned it into an Airbnb. And um, I walked over one day and he was uh, he had somebody hired to do the sheetrock. And I said, Rick, you did everything. You did the plumbing, electricity on this Airbnb. Why are you hiring out the sheetrock? He says, I hate to do the sheetrock. And I know somebody else would do it better. And so I, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, a studio, you know, in-home studio wizard. And so I've always gone to Supple Studios with with my friend Troy, and um, but we didn't, um, we we ended up uh, tracking at Century Oak Studios uh, relatively inexpensively, um, and then we ended up doing a Kickstarter uh, to cover some of the costs for what happened after we had um, recorded. So yeah, a little bit higher than some of my other projects, but not um, out of reach by any means. Um, I think these folks that are running studios kind of know the um, the pressure that they're under. And so um, I, I find that they're very reasonable and easy to work with. Well said. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go through a couple songs. Let's start with the one you guys kept bringing up throughout the talk here. What's the song, Give Me Some More, that rock and, run, rock and roll song? What's the story of that song, either writing or recording? Uh, that was in our, our singer-songwriter group, and it started off as a picture of John Prine. And it's just a black-and-white picture that shows every single um, uh, wrinkle and and road mile on his on his face and hands. And, and it was just a beautiful photo. And so I, I started writing this thinking, well, you know, how does John Prine write? And he uses just everyday things, real concrete details. And my wife at the time, has, well, not at the time, she, she loves her favorite meal is white rice, soy sauce, and butter. We just had it a couple nights ago. And so I thought, well, we'll start with that and um, talk about kind of how how relationships are. And and even though there's all these things that are um, uh, maybe, you know, not optimal, I still love you and I, I, I want some more, right? I, if I'm with you, I'm, just give me some more. And uh, that's that's the song that Nikki came in and tracked harp on and, and had a part for. And so if you listen to the recording, it starts off with her harp. Um, it starts off with one mic and then we add the second mic for, uh, or she did two different parts, a high part and a low part. And then, um, and then it starts in with this real kind of driving beat and, and it yeah. kind of gives it this train kind of feel. You have any thoughts on it, Ted? Um, uh, gosh, this is one where the lyric that like, um, Doyle's lyrics are, uh, I'll call it like this sleeper gift, like the, every door and light is on or open. You don't care what's lying on the floor. These are things like he he's saying these things and when you hear him singing them um, and he's talking about Molly, right? It's, it's, but you can, I can feel the love in his vocal, the way he's singing it. And he's just talking about all these things in life. Life isn't perfect, but it's super sweet. And I, I don't know, his lyrics just blow me away. The, the driving beat part is one of my favorite things too, Ricky Parker and Joe doing the bass and drum thing. And I feel like there's almost like this weird jazz loungy thing going on while it's a rock and roll song. And it's kind of cool how it contrasts. It's 
it's just it's just a fun fun song to play and to, to listen to yeah all right how about track number five anywhere with you i wrote down kind of a great harmonies and real 70s glenn campbell-ish like exactly what you're going for uh, yeah what's the story behind yeah, that song? that one we so we were the four of us because we're all best friends doyle molly phyllis and me and um we were up in bentleyville you know the this duluth uh holiday thing and we we ended up staying in uh this hotel that is basically retook boxcars and made them into hotel rooms so i was all excited we're gonna like stay in a boxcar like like merle you know and and uh um it was a little nice a lot nicer than that but uh but we in the morning i was like i texted Doyle, i was like you want to go write a song in the dining car which is the lobby and and uh so we did and we basically wrote this song in that morning in the in the lobby well the only person there was the owner and she basically got to witness us writing this song and the song is really it's about us four it's like it's this song of it's like a love song for best friends and uh and we even interjected uh, a line in there uh mark severin's on the radio and we and we, uh, we start to hum along mark our friend mark is in the songwriter group he doesn't even have an album out yet yet mark make a record because he's <laughs> not been on the radio and we thought we want to have something you know that's personal to us that maybe others wouldn't understand and they'd go, who's Mark Severin? You know, that's kind of cool. But the other line, you look at me and smile and tell me that's your favorite song. That is truth. Cause Doyle and I were at a Mark show. Mark played a song for our songwriter thing and Doyle leans over and says, it's my favorite song. <laughs> so I, it's just really sweet how we kind of pulled these little things together and wrote a song about ourselves. Yeah. Doyle, you have anything and to as, add to that? And as chance would have, it, uh, Mark is going to open our show on Sunday night at the Parkway Theater uh, for our album release. And so he and his son, Joey, are going to do uh, the opening act uh, uh, in support of our album. So we're we're just really, really lucky. The, the thing about yeah. the, the lady at, at the front desk when we were writing this song, if we go back and listen to those rough you know, uh, recordings off our phone, um, you can hear her laughing and and giving us crap and and, and uh, just kind of uh, enjoying the whole process as we watch uh, as she watches us write this song. Of basically, that you know kind of references her hotel, but it's it's really delightful to to hear her kind of giving us a, a a little bit of crap on it. <laughs> I love it, guys. I'll ask about one more. How about Wild? Yeah, Wild um, was a prompt song, and it started off with a prompt of a old, old farmhouse that was ramshackle and run down. And um, my dad and his brother had just the summer before gone and walked around my great-grandparents' uh, farm uh, uh, just north of where I grew up. And they all that's left were the foundations. And so you see these two nearly 80-year-old men wandering around this farmyard that they used to play in when they were kids. And I started thinking, well, what would they be thinking of? What would they think of now, you know, after all this time has gone by? And in in that old farmhouse kind of image was in my mind. And so um, I, I kind of came up with this idea of a storm coming in and this old farmhouse is all run down and leading into the wind and, and uh, everything going wild because, you know, nature takes back just about everything. <laughs> That it does. Where did you come yeah. up with the name, band name, International Treasures? We didn't. <laughs> we did not come up with it. We actually, we put a song out a year ago or two. Uh, just we thought we were going to put a song out together. And one of our friends, Matthew French, who's also playing the release show, <clears throat> he posted it and said, 
two inter- I don't remember how you said it, Doyle. Uh, uh, are, uh, my dear friends, Doyle Turner and Ted Heineshevitz. Uh, dear friends and international treasures, Doyle Turner and Ted Heineshevitz. That's how yeah. he phrased it in his post, and and uh, Ted and I were like, "Can we can we take that, Matt?" And he's like, "Yeah." And so we were on a, a road trip with Matt, and uh, we we were walking through this little store, and we had went outside to, to wait for him, and and he turned to the other person on the trip, and he says, "Where are the treasures?" <laughs> I love it. What's your guys's website, social media stuff? If people want to book you, follow you, or check out your new music. Sure. So the website is the internationaltreasures.com. <clears throat> so it's all, you know, the, the internationals. Our Instagram is like, I, if you go to our website, you can find our Instagram. <laughs> and then we have our own things. We don't have a Facebook for the treasures. Um, we primarily do it on Insta or our own uh, Doyle Turner music. Or is it Doyle Turner music, everything? Uh, just DoyleTurner.com. Um, and then Doyle Turner Music on Facebook for sure. And then your Ted H Tunes, right? Yep, Ted H Tunes really everywhere. Because my, if you look, you've seen my last name, Mark, yeah. It's uh, an eye chart, be, uh, dude. <laughs> yeah. I always joke, I joke that here's how you find me on the internet. You fall asleep on your keyboard. And when you wake up, hit enter, and that's me. One, two, three, four. Uno, dos, one, two, three, four. Morning on the rails, a train wailing out a song. You slide across the table, and I feel it's been too long since I last saw you. Center in my heart, too, still. Singing for my breakfast I don't know where my stop is The next stop is the hardest It's where we always part ways I don't mind a little heartache It reminds me of the sweet times with you I'm on a train going nowhere But I'm glad to be anywhere with you train going nowhere but I'm glad to be anywhere with you It's time to grab the suitcase teapots whistling on the stove I know we gotta leave but tell me where am I gonna go they're selling tickets for the future I'd rather spend a little more of our time Draw out this conversation like we always tend to do I recall that time in Austin as you fasten up your shoes And I don't want to leave you And I know you don't want to leave me too I'm on a train going nowhere But I'm glad to be anywhere with you Train going nowhere, but I'm glad to be anywhere with you. 
Mark Severin's on the radio and we start to hum along You look at me and smile and tell me that's your favorite song And we start another story And we go on and on I'm on a train going nowhere But I'm glad to be anywhere with you This ride is all too short Even when it feels so long When I leave, I'm going nowhere But I'm always on my way back to you Next, Joe and Brian from Threads Electric talk about their new single, The Tide, and check out the song after the interview. Brian Perry... And Joe Capacetti of Threads Electric. Welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today there, guys? Going great. Thanks for having us, Mark. Nice. Where where are you guys from? Where are you coming in from? We're at our respective places in Minneapolis. I'm in in Edina officially, but um, South Minneapolis and Joe's in South Minneapolis as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. And... You guys are talking about, well, first of all, tell us about your group, Threads Electric. Um, yeah, Threads Electric is a thing that we've been doing. Uh, it's something weird. Like, I've been struggling to call it a band because for the longest time, it's just been like a project. <laughs> it's just been me and Brian kind of like working through songs. Uh, it's... Or, or I guess if I go back even further, like Brian and I had played together in an earlier band called Phantom Heart. Um, that And that started around maybe 2015, 2016, around then. Um, and then it kind of died down around, you know, 2020. I don't know if there are any sort of world events going on at that time. <laughs> maybe just coincidental. Um, but then in around, you know, a few years later, I think it was like early 2022 or maybe even late 2021, like Brian got in touch and was like, Hey, like, have you been doing any music? Like, what are you doing? And I said, no, I don't really, (laughs) not really working on anything. Um, and he was like, well, like maybe we should work on something. And so it kind of started from there. We were started, um, you know, writing some music together and it was, at least for me, it was different uh, experience from like starting other bands because a lot of times when you start a band there's a lot of excitement around it and it's like let's get a set ready to play a show as soon as possible um and for us i feel like there was more focus on like just feeling out the sound and trying to get like as best songs as we could together um and then we'll figure it out from there like maybe this turns into nothing or maybe we record a bunch of singles and play out but who knows 
Um, so yeah, the songs kind of came first and that started about a year ago. I hear a lot of different local music doing this podcast and playing shows and stuff myself. One thing that came across right away with your new single, The Tide, was how professional and slick it sounded. Um, oh, it really sounded like a full-blown single right off the radio. Uh, the instrumentation, the singing, everything. Is those, if, did you play the drums or is those sampled tracks? And if they are it's- sampled, how'd you get them? It's a little. It's a little bit of both. I'll have Joe answer about the the samples because um, Joe brings me pretty like fully fledged ideas with programmed drums, with synths, um, you know, some backing guitars, um, and he puts that together um, and brings that to me as just these really great sounding ideas. But it's it's awesome to hear you say that it sounds so like studio quality mark because we recorded it here diy um so there are live drums there's live guitar live vocals um even bass in this song was all recorded just just right here um and some of that layered on top of of pre-recorded things and some of it um you know just just like the guitars it's just all here but we weren't sure if what we were able to capture here because i'm no recording engineer really um we weren't sure if that was going to be up to snuff so um joe had this idea to send it off to a a, a really great guy he knows in chicago named yusu kim um and i'll let joe kind of explain that and he's yusu is our guy that really makes this all sound great but he came back to us and answered that question like is this workable like what we capture here and you can you take that and work with that? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, is he, it's kind is of he expensive because... or is he reasonably priced or what? <laughs> uh, I think he gave us a buddy deal, honestly. Like, what we paid is not what we got out of it. <laughs> um, but to kind of take a step back, like, it's just the two of us, we're a two piece. Um, like, I handle the vocals and guitars and keys and stuff, and Brian does the, the drums and. Um, a lot of just like the, you know, producing, refining and the bass too. Um, but even like when Brian was saying like, I'll bring him, you know, an idea that's just kind of um, backing track stuff with like some keys and some, you know, synth drums and stuff. Like those are very basic. I'm using like free plugins. Um, I'm using a free DAW that I'm just like putting that in. I'm using Reaper. Um, it was really just to like, you know, just get ideas going. The idea wasn't like, okay, we could just take this to a studio and this will be pro right away. It was just like, these are just the tracks that we have to get some ideas going, to get something to play to. So it's just the two of us. Um, So it was really an experiment when we were like, okay, Brian's got some mics at home. We like the idea of being able to record at home so we could take our time with the tracks and really feel out how we want these songs to be and what layers we want with them. Um, And then let's just like throw it over to a producer and see like what they can do. And I, the, this song, particularly the tide was, um, there's a lot of influence from, uh, this song, uh, where you go, um, by my friend used to Kim, who I used to play with in um, a few bands in Chicago. Uh, he, his new project now is called good son. And that's, um, the song he did, uh, where you go under. Um, and so I thought like, 
you know, I've, I've talked to this guy on and off, just like, you know, looking for advice on music. And I was like, if I want the song to sound like where you go and I have his contact information, it's worth sending him an email being like, Hey, would you be interested in remote producing this song? I don't know if that's even something you do, but like uh, just throwing a shot in the dark. And he was, you know, very into the idea and kind of on board with it. One of the first things we actually did was, um, you know, we, when we started tracking stuff, we tracked drums first. Um, but in order to track drums, like most bands do, we just did a scratch track of the guitar and vocal just so that we can keep track of where we are in the song. Um, and so we sent you see the drums um, to just say like, hey, is this something that you can work with before we like agreed or before we had him agree that like this is something possible. Just like send him the drums. And we also sent him just like the scratch um, vocals and guitar just so he can see like what the structure is like. And he sent us back like a quick demo. I want to say it was like the, the next day or the day after using the scratch vocals and the scratch guitar. And it already like sounded so good that I was like, okay, I don't know that we can like, I just like my anxiety about, I don't know if our home recordings are going to be good enough, just like immediately went away because like our scratch tracks were already so good. I might have to hire this guy. Yeah, I, I can pass you the info. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell us about the songwriting of the song, The Tide. Um, yeah. Uh, so again, like it's with just the two of us, um, a lot of this is I'm punching in ideas in Reaper um, and then bringing it to Brian and seeing what's piquing his interest. Um, what is Reaper if this- my grandmother's listening? Okay. Um, Reaper is a DAW, DAW standing for like digital audio workstation. Um, so if you've ever worked with like GarageBand or Pro Tools or something, it's a place where you can record tracks and put in MIDIs and stuff like that and fake drums or whatever. Um, I use Reaper because it's free. Um, again, just like very DIY with all this stuff, not wanting to spend even $50 or actually, I think I donated 50 bucks to the people at Reaper just because I had such a great experience with it, even though it's technically free. Um, shout out to the good people at Reaper. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, so, you know, I'm bringing a lot of these demos of just synth stuff and maybe some like basic drums just to show the groove off to Brian, um, and th- this one was one that, like, you know, I sent him just some tracks and we're just kind of playing them in the room and he's kind of skipping through them going, okay, that's an idea. Okay, that's an idea. Uh, but then this one, as soon as, like, the beat started, because from the beginning it had that, like, kick, snare, like, boom, boom. And he was just like, whoa, what is this? This is one we should work on. Um, so, yeah, it kind of started from there that it was just, you know, kind of the beat a little bit of the vibe and just like a lot of the echoey synth stuff in there. We felt out some guitar. It was really like the, the vocals and melody that came last. Um, I kind of struggled a lot with the melody, especially for the chorus. I think this is like the third, third or fourth version of the chorus. I just couldn't find the right hook for it. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the start of it. It's definitely one that we put a lot of um, just like sweat and iterations on. <laughs> Do you guys have more singles coming out? Yeah, we do. We'll have one. Um, I don't. I don't even think it has a. It has a working title now, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, but it it will have a full title. Like the lyrics are all there. It's just we need to settle on something. But um, 
yeah, we have one that for sure will be out in the beginning of 2024. Um, and I think for now, that's kind of how we're going to keep keep going is like a kind of a cycle of record a single, you know, give it to the producer, get get feedback, record, you know, additional things as we need to um, and kind of always be like ready to play out if we need to um, mm-hmm. and and never necessarily do like, oh, OK, we're in fully recording mode, but just kind of we have this ability to capture here and send it along and then we can sort of do other things. So um, we haven't been multitasking a whole lot, but that's kind of, that's kind of the, the idea is this setup is that we can, we, you know, we've got a, a, an album's worth of other songs and those we're just going to, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep working away at. Do you guys play out quite a bit? No. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we we haven't much to this point but now that we have stuff to show um and we have music coming out there we've kind of got some energy around that and we want to you know put this in front of people um we did a show uh back last spring um that we kind of put a lot of our energy into and it was really great to play out and kind of you know get these songs that we've been working on and been so precious with them, with just the two of us and put them out in front of people. Um, but that was a really great experience. There's nothing like, um, you know, using shows and live performance to, you know, really put your songs through the ringer and see what works, what doesn't. Um, for the Tide, I remember that uh, that show that we played, um, most of the people in the room were just kind of like grooving to our songs, except there was this one table in the back um, of these these guys that just like kind of uh, kind of too cool for school and they were just like sitting having a drink or whatever and then when we started into the tide uh they all just kind of got up and like moved to the front and started like bobbing their heads and i was like okay i think we maybe have something here <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah. what's your guys yeah. socials that people want to check it out um it's pretty simple we're just uh at threads electric on instagram um I think we're same thing on, on Facebook. Um, and if anybody hears this and wants to, you know, help us out, find a good show, our email is just that's electric at gmail.com. Nice. So Brian was saying, Joe, that you have a podcast of your own. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's a show called first and last, um, that I've been doing with my friends, Jimmy and Josh for the past seven years now. Um, and what we do is we watch a TV show, but instead of watching the entire thing, we just take the first episode and the last episode. Um, and we kind of do a game with it where we watch the first episode and try to predict what's going to happen in the last episode and then watch the last episode and see how we did. Uh, we usually get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> as predictable as you think my t- TV might be, it's, uh, it's a lot of times hard to guess what's where the show is going to go by the end. But it's kind of wild to think about that. We've been doing that for seven years and have put out like 300 something episodes. What's a TV <laughs> series that would be an interesting one to listen to on first and last podcast. Um, I'm trying to think of you done, like classic done ones like Dallas and Sopranos and all that stuff. Oh yeah. We, I mean, a lot of it depends on what we have available via our like streaming accounts. <laughs> Um, but we've definitely done Sopranos. That was a good one.
like to take a minute or two to thank the two sponsors of this week's podcast mosaic chrysler zombrota and the b-dale club i just finished last night teaching eight weeks of theater in turtle lake wisconsin going back and forth from st paul to turtle lake i couldn't have felt more safe snowing or not snowing in my brand new jeep cherokee x i got from the new mosaic chrysler and zombrota their philosophy is simple time saving hassle-free fair price Check out their inventory at ZabrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zabrota, Minnesota to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out Mosaic Chrysler Zabrota today and enjoy a safe fall, hopefully for a few weeks more, season full of adventures and memories out in that open road in a new ride. And the B-Dog Club, the BDC 2100. 
one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area, along with probably anywhere in the world. The B-Dub Club is located at the corner of Counter Road B and Dale, and their motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun, and that is the Stone Cold Truth. The B-Dub Club All-Stars played last Thursday. Andy Crowley, Johnson, Nicole, we had a blast. Check out Thursday Night Music down there for sure. Natalie, Shelley, Dustin, the entire bar staff for all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, actually been for a while, my libation of choice is the classic screw-up invented by Tony Bolter from Shoreview. That cocktail, and it's the quote, 16-time world champion, Ric Flair, tasty little devil. Live music, pool table, pull tabs, Tuesday night, chess society, bingo, meat raffle, bocce ball Thursdays, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one tonight. Next up, I speak with the Common Practice about their new album, Theater Kids. Kaylee Factorial of the Common Practice. Welcome to the Minnesota Music Shakedown. How's it going today? Good. Really good. Really good. Um, yeah. We record these quite a bit in advance, but tomorrow night's your big CD release show, huh? Yep. And that's at the Metro Gnome Brewing. Where the heck is that? It's in St. Paul. It's over in Lower Town near the Farmer's Market. I can't remember the name of the building it's in, but... Um, they have a really nice venue um, downstairs in the basement of Metronome Brewing called Fingal's, Fingal's Cave. And it's a really nice um, <clears throat> um, sound engineered room. Um, and I've, I've been there a couple times to hear bands and, it, and it's, just, it's just amazing sound down there. Cool. How long of a set are you guys playing? Uh, two hours, seven to nine. Are you doing any covers at all? We do not play any covers with the common practice. It is all original. It's all, all my and CB's original writing. Nice. Where did you get the name, the common practice? So the common practice era of music is um, what people commonly refer to as like as classical music. Um, and so it's considered to be... S- 1600s i can't remember the exact date it started it started with bach and then um uh was considered to go through the rite of spring in 1917 um and um the common practice era is like the era that you think of when you think of classical music where everything is written and notated and that's uh what we do with with the band the common practice is we um notate we notate our um, our music, and we picked all musicians who can read, so we can score things out. And now there is some room for improvisation, but it's but a lot of it has like full score. A lot of the songs have full scores. Um, we at least um, use for some of them we use just like lead sheets, and then everybody kind of like you know does it that way. But like we do have like some songs with like full scores, and that was that was the original idea was that we were going to have some strings and do this kind of orchestral like thing, combine it with like rock and roll music and um <clears throat> and create kind of this like new version of like what the common practice was that kind of combines those old ideas with the new ideas of today's music cool is there any famous rock bands throughout history that did it this way i i don't know i can't answer that it's possible um like elo I, or, or something like that maybe ELO may have, anytime you have horns or strings, those parts are usually like composed and scored. Um, that's, it's like Chicago probably yeah. wrote out a lot of 
stuff. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure blood, sweat and tears did some covers of like certain, like common practice pieces. I know there's a, um, Eric Sati piece on the blood, sweat and tears vinyl I have. So I'm, I'm sure that was, um, probably scored. And so you score them out yourself. Uh, yeah, CB and I both score. We, we usually, we, we usually score our own tunes. Um, so if we write a song, we usually like, we usually handle the score and there's some back and forth and we kind of pass ideas back and forth about how it should be done. What's your background in music to be able to do that? So, um, both CB and I went to college for music. Um, I originally started with education and then finished with trumpet performance. Um, and CB is a cellist, a classically trained cellist and went, went to school for cello performance. Um, and both of us have a strong background. I started with piano in second grade and I was classically trained pianist. I played guitar in this band, but, um, but I'm a classically trained pianist. So like reading is just kind of comes natural to us. Um, and then I, um, also played in a lot of jazz bands, um, too, where you have like kind of a hybrid of like, some of it is scored and then some of it is just chords with slashes you know, and improvisation. And um, I guess my scores usually look a little more like that, where it's like partly scored, but then some parts just have like kind of improvised over these chords. Um, but um, but yeah, we both have an extensive, CB has an extensive background in classical music. Um, and I have a background in classical music, but um, mostly a background in jazz music. Um particularly like with jazz trumpet and piano playing um, that I kind of, and I, and we, we, we kind of both draw upon these, um, these ideas um, in order to kind of create the songs for the common practice. Cool. So when did you guys start working on this project? What was like the impetus, the, the general first idea of putting out your new record theater kids and where'd you get the name theater kids for the record? So the theater kid, the theater kid's name is that most of the band we like, um, our, our keyboardist, Andrew, um, at one point, um, commented that both CB and I's songwriting, um, sounds kind of theatrical. Sounds like a lot of our songs sound like they could be in a musical. Um, and so, um, and, most of the band has had some background during high school in the theater arts and um and um we were in musicals we were in plays uh liz our other guitarist um is um an actor um so is andrew our keyboardist i was played both in pit bands and and acted in high school um, and CB has done a lot of like pit orchestra work. So, um, we were tossing around names and like a combination of kind of how some of these songs sound like have this kind of theatrical sound to them combined with the fact that we all, like most of us have some kind of theatrical background. We came up with the name theater kids and we, um, decided that it was, um, a good, <clears throat> A good name to to use. Cool. A side question. So I played music 
full time for around 20 years, whatever. It's better now, but I've suffered over the years from tinnitus or tinnitus, they call it. When I was reading up on that, they said folks that play in like orchestra pits and like stuff for plays, like they are really prone to tinnitus because it's so damn loud. Have you yeah. have you ever had that, or is it is that true? I have been fortunate to not develop it. Um, however, I know, and now like I've played in some orchestras and on the trumpet, I've played trumpet in like orchestras and jazz bands, and the people that are really at risk are like I play the trumpet, so like I'm in the back, so yes. I don't have any behind me. The people who are really at risk are like trombonists in jazz bands. Because they sit right in front of the trumpets and in orchestras too. The trombones sit right in front of the trumpets. So they've got that high brass blaring in their ears for like hours at a time. And so trombonists have typically the most risk um, of developing that tinnitus. But yeah, that is a risk. And especially with paid orchestras because um, it's such an enclosed space. Um, because you're underneath, you know, you're underneath the stage and you're kind of out of view of the audience and those pits can be, can be really enclosed. So the sound can get <clears throat> really, really resonant in there and it can really, it can, um, really vibrate a lot and, um, get really loud. Yeah. Where did you track the record theater kids? Uh, we tracked at the library studio in Northeast Minneapolis with Matt Patrick. And we did it over the course of, of two days. We did all the instrumental tracks um, in one day and then all the vocal tracks in one day. And we were able to. Two days? Uh, yeah, two days. We, we didn't. And we didn't. Um, the only thing that was multi-tracked was the vocals over the instrumental tracks. Um, because the library studio has a setup where we could have the guitars, the bass and the drum out in the main room all playing together and then the, the cello and the violin were in a booth um a separate booth and then the piano was in a separate booth um and we were able to like all track together which was really nice because we like to play together and be able to react to each other um that's that's been kind of like part of the heart of this band is our ability to react to each other as we play and um so being able to be in a studio session where we were able to do that. And then when, before we went in, we just practiced all the songs with no vocals to a click track to make sure we could go in and just play it with the click track. And so we did everything in about, you know, between two and four takes. Um, and then the next day we took the four vocalists back into the studio and we um, just all tracked in the same room. Um, and we practiced the, the, the harmonies all together um, so that um, we were able to blend and um, be in that setting together, and it was a really, um, it was a really, really fun experience um, to be able to track that way. And it was a really, um, and I, I think the result is is pretty great. Cool, man. I want to ask you about a couple tracks off the record that I'll spin on the podcast, uh, okay. like a story behind the song segment. I guess you can talk about either how the song came about, how you guys wrote it, or, or if you didn't write it, how it was put together. Uh, how about track number one, That Love Came First, that catchy kind of big chorus, mid-tempo rocker? Yeah, so that song that song kind of came about, that was originally, I originally wrote that back in uh, 2018, I think. I was with my previous band, 
Um, and I wrote that in the, we never used that in the other band and it was more of kind of a piano ballad. It was a more like kind of sensitive, <clears throat> it was a more kind of, um, and I played it, you know, and I, so I used to play it like when I'd, I'd get the occasional solo gig and I'd play that song and, um, <clears throat> it was kind of this sensitive, like piano ballad. Cause I used to play piano in that, in, you know, in that band and when I play solo gigs, I usually play piano too. Um, and then, <clears throat> and then we, <clears throat> brought it into this band and um i really think the character change came from the drum beat that our drummer bryce put on it um i just kind of like um i started playing the kind of the funky clean rhythm guitar part on it that kind of like that kind of that kind of rhythm guitar and he just kind of put like a nice like kind of like pop backbeat onto it and it just it just kind of came together and um and we you know it just that one just kind of like we really picked that one up quick um as a group because it, it just kind of like it was just one or two ideas and it turned from this kind of sensitive piano ballad into this kind of big chorus you know like you said big chorus like kind of pop rock tune um and i'm I'm really proud of how that one came together how about the song walkabout so walkabout i did not write that one cb wrote that one so um i'm not really um, privy to talk about the like inspiration for that song. Um, it's got like harmony <clears throat> guitars and like some power chords and all that stuff. But yeah, we kind of we kind of put that one together. Um, that one we that one we kind of really crafted as a group. It, we really kind of tossed around a lot of ideas together um, <clears throat> before we <clears throat> came up with the um, came up with the final product there was a lot of ideas that were tossed around and then like creating kind of the vocal scape where the lead singer kind of switches and then cb's vocal kind of is almost absent at the beginning and then it's the biggest voice at the end and just kind of creeps in through there um and um that one was really really fun to craft but that one was an example of like we had we had probably three or four rehearsals where we probably picked that song apart for you know a good hour and um tossed around different ideas and just figured out what works the best um you know we really have and we really have when we're working on we're working on songs in this band we really have a best idea wins um attitude towards it um you know everybody's welcome to offer ideas and you know we we have a really good sense of all agreeing what the best idea is when we do that cool do you guys have any other gigs coming up besides the metronome brewing in st paul um so we are um going to be not in minneapolis for a while um we have some gigs in we have a gig coming up on the 6th we're going to be in st cloud that's going to be at um veranda lounge um and that's just going to be two of us that's going to be at, at the Veranda Lounge in St. Paul from 8 to 11 on October 6th. And then on October 14th, um, just give me one second. October 14th, we're going to be in Madison, Wisconsin at the Dark Star Art Bar. 
Um, and then we're going to have a day show. On the way back from that, we're going to have a day show in Sullivan, Wisconsin at In Good Spirits. And then on the 4th of November, we are going to be at the Washington in Burlington, Iowa. Um, but you can follow our socials for any upcoming events. And um, we probably will, after that, that's November, we, you know, Christmas season starts. And um, we probably will be back at it again in the new year. Um, but if you follow us on social, if, if you follow us on socials, you can stay ahead of upcoming events. What is your socials? Um, on Facebook, it is Facebook slash the common practice on Instagram. It is Instagram slash the common practice. Um, we've got a website, www.thecommonpractice.com. No, wait, that's not it. It is www.thecommonpracticeband.com. Bringing home this week's edition of the Minnesota Music Shakedown is another new track by one of the featured guests this week, The Common Practice, with their song, Walkabout. This has been the Minnesota Music Shakedown. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please go to patreon.com forward slash Music. If you like what I do, check out my website, MarkSteryMusic.com. For artist or song submissions, please email me at MarkSteryMusic at gmail.com or message me on social media. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time. <laughs>